0: of Faith with Nahe Lupondwana, 7 to 8 p.m.
1: Good evening welcome. You're listening to Facts of Faith with Minayil Upondwana here on am leading the conversation. It's five, five minutes after seven and we are together until eight o'clock. Tonight we're asking the question and I do wish that you understand that we're not comparing. We are, however, asking you to make an obs- a deep, honest observation about your religious text your holy book, whatever document that you claim holds your beliefs, religious beliefs, would you, when you read it, and I'm assuming that you have read it comprehensively, would you say that it does embody the legal liberties that are enshrined in the Constitution? Is your holy book a human rights book? Does it support the human rights for everyone or is your document somewhat in conflict with the universal declaration of human rights is your document in conflict with the south african bill of rights in our constitution would you say that your holy book rises to the level of human rights or perhaps you might think it's sovereign therefore does it at least embody These universally appreciated liberties such as human rights for all. Now, this question is birthed from a conversation or a series of conversations where people almost all the time, when we're talking about these texts and some of the subject matter regarding the text, the religious text, people would say, well, this religious book does not recognize the rights of women this religious book does not recognize the rights of children this religious book does not recognize the rights of black people this religious book does not recognize the rights of all human beings regardless of what faith they belong to quite frankly it regards other people as less than and its adherents as actuals or actuaries and the question is if we were to Look at your text. Would we find that your text recognizes all of our human rights here in South Africa, in Africa and the world over? Or is your your, 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 your deity, as expressed in your book, prejudiced against some, separatist against some, and derogates some? That's our question for tonight. Is your holy book a human rights book? Does it support the human rights for everyone? I'm Naya Lupandona. This is Facts of Faith. Let's get to it
0: on SAFM.
1: I'm going to introduce you to our guests in no particular order. We do have Reverend Mauchi Paka Pataki. I'm hoping I'm reading that correctly. Reverend Mauchi Pataki is the Minister of the Uniting Presbyterian Church in Southern Africa, Chairman of the Ethical Foundation for Leadership Excellence and the past General Secretary of Southern African Council of Churches, Reverend Paka Pataki. Good evening to you and thank you very much for agreeing to talk to us.
2: Hello, good evening, sir, and the listeners.
1: And also we do have Swami Vedananda Saraswati, Senior Hindu Monk and Spiritual Head of the Arya Samaj, South African. Swami, good evening to you and thank you very much for going to talk to us.
3: Good evening, Naya. God bless you and our other listeners.
1: You're ever so kind. Thank you very much. Accept those blessings, sir. Let's get down to it, and perhaps we must begin with you, Swami. Um, we are talking about texts, and the assumption is when we elevate our texts to sovereignty and saying it is incomparable, and that's why we are adherent to those texts, and in your case, would have a lot of them, because it's not just one book. Would you, would you say that your holy book is a human rights book? Does it support the human rights for everyone?
3: Definitely, Naya. And not only human rights, and it's a book that has uh, a a knowledge of a lot of things, but within that is embedded human rights, definitely. Okay. So when
1: you're saying definitely, are you therefore suggesting that all human beings would be granted equal rights as would be the Universal Declaration of Human Rights in our context in South Africa, as would be given and offered and recognized by the Bill of Rights?
3: Absolutely. All right. You see... When it comes to... Okay, uh, I'll, I'll emphasize as you, as you go on, but definitely I agree with you there.
1: No, no, no. I was not making a statement. I was asking you so that you can uh, confirm or deny that point.
3: Oh, okay, okay. All right, sure. So, you see, first we need to understand that Hinduism doesn't recognize human beings as mere material beings. It, the understanding of Hinduism identity is more ethical and spiritual, and it's confirmed by a, a verse in the Vedas which says, no one is superior or inferior, all our brothers and sisters. All should strive for the interest of all and the progress of all collectively. That's from Rig Veda, Mandala 5, Sutra 60, Mantra 5. And when it comes specifically to human rights, human rights in the Vedas and in our scriptures work hand-in-hand with dutiful action. Right? So in relation to human rights, the Tara and proper study will show you, it makes two points absolutely clear. Rights follow from duties and vice versa. And when it speaks with rights and human rights, especially in today's parlance, broadly speaking, it includes human rights of uh, rights relating to life, to liberty, to equality, to dignity. And I can quote you, uh, as we go through each, the countless verses which speak of human beings rather than individuals. And when it comes specifically to individuals, like for example, let's say women's rights right? And if it speaks specifically about women, it speaks about women in a case where naturally, when man has a natural or an instinctual inclination to be a bit more dominating, the rights inclined to a woman in the Vedas brings man down to recognize that that woman is as equal to him in body, mind, and spirit, in her ability to, uh, for her duties, uh, her rights, and so on and so forth. But whenever it speaks about rights, it speaks about all. It speaks about everybody equiv- on, an, on an equal level, without uh, distinguishing them between caste, color, or creed, or whatever it is. Unfortunately, and the sad part is, uh, uh, especially in India, there's the, there's the dreaded caste system. But I must state categorically that the caste system has no place at all in the Vedas. What it has been confused with is what is known as the Varna system. And the Varna system is a choice system where people are classified into four classes based on their aptitude and profession, but not on their caste of birth. There is no such thing as caste of birth. And the four Varna's, which is your priests, your administrators, government, your merchants, uh, uh, your ground workers, these are all duties, and within the duties they function. Uh, they are allocated to the functioning of society. But in no way is anybody or any person superior or inferior in the eyes of the Vedas.
1: Okay all right um uh, we will engage uh, more on what you are alleging right now and i'm saying that respectfully because in front of me i have something that was rather uh, presented to the united nations the unesco actually united nations educational scientific and cultural organization i'm sure you're fully aware of it pinned down okay. by sriki sri um, uh, venkatesh puntambeka i'm hoping i'm reading that correctly and a okay. very interesting uh, write up that I thought perhaps I should present to you and offer you the opportunity to respond to it because uh, just for you to mull over it as I go to the Reverend, when I just read sure. part of it, it reads, and I quote, criticizing the Western em- emphasis on reason and science that marked the emergence of European human rights doctrines, the Indian political scientist S.V. Puntambekar was of the opinion that, quote-unquote, we shall have to give up some of the superstitions of material science and limited reason which make man too much this worldly and introduce higher spiritual aims and values for mankind, close quote. He focused on the spiritual nature of human beings in his text, The Hindu Concept of Human Rights. That's the title, and you're going to find that also uh, on PDF, And my curiosity, and I'd like you to help me understand there, is it possible that perhaps while we have the text, the actual expression is far different from the text to the extent that what we see in any of the Hindu text would be dramatically opposed to what is practiced by Hinduism as exemplified by what you just said right now, that the caste system has no place in your text and yet we see it in full practice. Just think about that. I'll give you an opportunity to respond to it when I bring after I brought in uh, the Reverend. Reverend, thank you very much once again for agreeing to talk to us uh, from your text. Uh, would you say that your Bible, your text, is a human rights book? Does it support the human rights for everyone? Well, the there is a
2: serious echo behind your voice that I hardly could follow.
1: Okay um uh, le, le, joey let's get uh i'm the not rab- hearing you i understand reverend um le, le, the, the 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 reverend can't hear me there's an echo let's try and sort that out kindly joey joey is my producer all right let's let's ca- come back to you sw- swami um would you like to respond to what uh was suggested there by uh, shri krishna venkatesh punta oh, okay so I, I i didn't hear it very
3: clearly but but in your closing you said, you know, what we see in practice and, and, and what's said in the scriptures. Firstly, Naya, we must remember that whilst the texts emphasize the rights of all, sadly, as history tells us, the ego of man plants his own seeds, does what he likes to and most of the time goes against those very texts. It 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 cannot portray the definition of Hinduism and therefore it's the responsibility of Hindu leaders to stand up against such things and such practices, which has been the case, to divide what is being put into practice and what what practices should be shunned, as opposed to is truly within our scriptures. Remember, the Vedas are the cornerstone and the foundation stone of Hindu dharma or Hindu faith. Over the years, over the centuries, many people have come, added their own opinions in separate books and claimed that this is what actually the, the text represent. But then it would make the entire text contradictory. And therefore it is always said, and the Veda says itself, to really understand the truth of the message, go back to this, the source of the text, which is the Vedas. And again, unequivocally, no one is superior or inferior. All our brothers, there is no, there's only one caste, and that's the caste of humanity. And therefore it's the responsibility of us as the spiritual leaders And many have been raising the cause. That is why you find in South Africa, in the South African context. uh, As much as uh, Indians have come uh, to these shores in 1860, the caste system did not follow. And though you might find expressions of it in India, around the world, people have raised their voices, powerfully so, to remove such things. Because beyond even Hinduism, because remember, the ism, the Hinduism, is, is, is a category on its own. The Vedas speak of universal love, universal humanity. Let's and that is what is being promoted by everybody at the moment.
1: Let's speak about some of the elements that your Vedas and almost all texts um, recognize, your texts yes. that is, uh, the virtues such as Ahimsa, such as yes. Astea, such as apa, yes. what is Aparigraha, and and, and also yes. uh, 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 Armitava. And... A- yeah, I- a- I've, been, I've, been, I've been trying to practice it all day long <laughs> <laughs> all day long but all of these sure. clearly clearly express uh, f- freedoms, uh, f- freedom from violence, freedom from want yes. freedom from exploitation and yet I want to say this again and yet we yes. see these in India most and foremost we see these yes. ever so expressed almost as though they are no Vedas yes. as, as yes. though there they are no writings that make these dictates it's almost as though it's some pie in the sky that all uh, the, the leaders spiritual leaders are merely speaking
3: above the heads of the adherents no it's it's uh, i have to tell you it is absolutely bad. if you read the indian constitution the indian constitution itself says that the right of happiness is the highest right of all and if the practice doesn't even go against the it doesn't even go according to that constitution you can imagine where text falls in and again we've got to separate the, the the text is the ideal to which every human being should strive to attain towards that is where we are protected but we our leaders have to voice out because in practice we know i mean look Life today as it is, no matter what religion, no matter what value system, whether you believe in religion or not, whether you believe in God or not, there are ideals which we all strive to live, uh, to live by. But the reality in society, when we lose control, when the ego uh, and, and, and power comes into play, then all of that falls by the wayside and people take advantage over the vulnerable. I mean, this is where we need to stand up. We, the, 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 the text can't stand up. The, the text is the ideal. It, 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 it's words in exactly the That's exactly my only problem.
1: Way has, there, Swami. Um,
3: action that, that, is for us to stand
1: up. That's the problem I had when I was preparing for this yes. show. That it, 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 it seemed as though with almost all of you leaders in spiritual organizations seem to be saying yeah. the very same thing that the text, the yeah. aspiration but the practice is something yeah. totally different. I'll give you another one that I thought this should be expressed, especially in South Africa, knowing the history yeah. of Indian people coming here uh, yeah. it, it, it should be fully expressed but ever since the advent of the EFF they've highlighted some of the things that they thought were exclusively happening or somewhat happening within the Indian community and, and the protests yeah. that followed. Ever since then, especially with the absence of intolerance, Akroda, you would have assumed that this should be one of these individual liberties that should be cherished by the Indian. Nah, yes. atlip- Could you repeat yourself,
3: there? I just, I just missed you there. Could you repeat?
1: Akroda, it? the absence of intolerance. Yes,
3: yes.
1: Yes, I was hoping that that would have been one of the basic tenets of Indian members of our South African community that would be so prevalent and obvious that would not have anyone complaining about the intolerance that has been uh, alleged against Indians especially in KZN and I'm suggesting that you remember very very famous cases where the EFF made claims against the Indian community in the the KZN community and much brouhaha was in the news about it and I'm saying Mm -hmm. would it not be a shame for us to have those things cited against the people who have a document a document that speaks so positively that there should not be any intolerance amongst humanity
3: well again i look i'll be the first to stand up against any form of intolerance no matter where it comes from because besides hindus alone many other texts from all other scriptures speak about love for all seeing all equal but again uh-huh. Uh, our our leaders are not strong. All right, just
1: just, just hold the thought, Swami. I'm going to take a break and come back. I'll give you an opportunity to continue your thoughts. Stand by.
0: Across South Africa, online and on radio. SAFM, let's talk.
1: In total support for that message on Heritage Day, we also had our own expression of heritage. You can go to my Facebook page and also on my Instagram page. We also supported the idea of celebrating National Heritage Day and Heritage Week. Uh, But you can go there and see our expression there. Uh, So we do support the idea that we must stay safe and be as socially distanced safely one from another because it is not over. The battle is not over yet. We don't have a vaccine yet. and We don't have a cure yet. So please, let's not Forget the fact that we're at level one should not make you think that things are much better now. No, they're not. Uh, they are, there have been some surges in some parts of Gauteng here in Johannesburg and Pretoria, so please let us be careful. Heritage Month doesn't mean we must be irresponsible. All right, let's go back to our conversation. Swami, please forgive me for interrupting you. We had to go to the break. You were making your point. Go ahead.
3: Yeah, so as I was saying, um, besides beside Hindus alone, wherever there is I- intolerance, we as leaders must get up and speak about it. But what I want to add, Naya, most importantly, is that when it comes to service of that humanity, right? yes, you get your occurrences of intolerance here and there, but if you measure the amount of responses of the Hindu community at times of humanitarian crisis, and I can tell you this because I've been on the front lines now when it it came to to the COVID-19 and it continues, the response is extremely overwhelming. We don't even put a price to it because inherent... In that dharma, irrespective of the little intolerances you may get here and there and then the mind getting its own ship, at the base of it all, when it comes to the point of humanitarian crisis, we are there to respond heads on. That doesn't change. But that doesn't preclude the fact that when there are any forms of intolerance, no matter who it comes from, no matter what caste, creed or religion, we have to stand up against it.
1: Okay. All right. Let's try and bring in uh, again the Reverend. Reverend, can you hear me? Reverend Pataki, can you hear me?
2: Yes, I can hear you now.
1: All right. Well, the question I was hoping that you'd answer from the very beginning, Reverend, is Would you say that your Bible is a human rights book? Would you say it supports human rights for everyone?
2: Yes, if we were to define human rights as a practice that is about recognizing that the other at the Um, And that the other needs to be taken care of, that the other needs to be loved, and that the other needs to be respected and dignity preserved, then the Christian scriptures are quite in line with what human rights practice would advocate. There is no contradiction.
1: Okay. Okay. Uh, perhaps the second part would be very important for you to address as well. Would you say that it supports human rights for everyone?
2: Yes, it does. It does. Look, the the very introduction of who Jesus Christ is in our lives, it's carried and conveyed through what we would love to call A Christian manifesto uh, where Jesus Christ himself says, why is he around? And that is carried in the scriptures, that he has been appointed by the spirit to preach gospel to the poor. People who would ordinarily not be regarded by others. And people who would ordinarily be oppressed by the powers being, it's actually the people whom the Lord Jesus Christ elevates to a point of recognition um, at a time when others did not mind about them. Okay. He says, I have come even to look at those whose hearts are broken so that they could be elevated to the same status as those who are well and who are enjoying a good life. So in in that sense, you have got a reassurance that everyone is equal before the eyes of God and shall be treated
1: as such. I'll give you just the very first universal declaration of human, Article 1. The first one says all human beings are born free and equal in dignity and rights. Your Bible doesn't say that. Your Bible supports slavery. No, no, no.
2: The Bible doesn't support slavery. That is why Jesus Christ came into the world. If you read Galatians, the book of Galatians, you would come across a statement in chapter 3 where Paul says, once we are people of the Lord, there is no longer Jew nor Greek. There is no longer slave. Or slave master. There is no longer male or female. The people of the Lord rejoice in the sense of equal recognition. And that cannot be...
1: Which verse are you reading there,
2: Reverend? Slavery. Excuse me?
1: Which verse are you reading? Chapter 3, verse what?
2: Verse 28.
1: All right, I want to read it from my version, and then um, we're going to engage there on that text. And um, yeah. I, have, I have no issue um, with any version. I just have this one right now. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free male, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong That's to true. Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs. And God's promise to Abram belongs to you. Did I read that correctly, there, Reverend?
2: Well, I'm not sure what version of the Bible is that. The, the essence, the air, yeah,
1: the, the, the version read really meant is, is that the essence saying, of the text, Reverend?
2: No, no, no. All what I'm saying is that with the advent of the Lord Jesus
1: Christ. No, 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 Reverend. I need you to answer we, the question. Hold, hold on, Reverend. Is that yeah. text? Is the essence of the text what I read?
2: No, it is not. I am saying to you, the essence of that text is that there is no longer distinction amongst people of God.
1: That's not true, sir. Whether, no, sir. Whether that's you that's, that's it not true. true. That's not true. Let, let's read again. I'm going to begin with verse 27. Verse 27 reads, And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ. Like putting on new clothes. Verse 28 then comes and says. There is no longer Jew or Gentile. Slave or free. Male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. Verse 29 says. And now that you belong to Christ. You are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs. And God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. That's what the text says, isn't it, reverend?
2: I'm saying I do not know what translation you're holding.
1: But the translation no, doesn't matter, reverend. You can read it from your translation. I don't have a Bible in front of me. What, what I
2: am saying... No,
1: sir, I really I do not wish that we fluff around the text. Let's get to the text. The text no, 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 needs to speak. We cannot camouflage the text. Find yourself a, the a, a Bible, that, a reverend. Did i text to you. Are you disputing the fact that
2: there is no longer male or female? Now, or I'm, are you
1: disputing the fact
2: that in the Lord Jesus Christ, there is no longer slave, no free?
1: Let you me know, tell you if, what I'm disputing, sir. I'm, I'm, this is what I'm so disputing that I, I need was. you to click to click. Let me respond to what you're asking there, Reverend. I'm disputing the point that you're suggesting that text is saying there is no more, it doesn't support slavery. Because if we're to follow your hermeneutic of that text, there is no longer gender of females or males. That's not true. There are females. There are males. There are people no, no, no. who are slaves. There are, no, no. People are people who are free. So that hermeneutic no, no. is absolutely incorrect. But the no, point no, no. that is made you're, you're here, let me, let me finish point. the point. You... Let me, let me, let me, let me finish the point, the then the you can respond to that, reverend. And then when you look at it, it says, and all who have been united with Christ, the question that I wanted you to understand is what about those who have not been united with Christ? What about the Swami there? Would The fact that well, Swami is not united with Christ and is not baptized in Christ, that text does not include him. It includes only those who have been united with Christ in baptism, according to verse 27. Find yourself a Bible and read it.
2: I have said to you at the beginning of the discussion that if human rights it's about recognizing that the other exists. Therefore, even the text that you are reading, your interpretation is quite literal, which is quite unfortunate. The the When it says there is no longer male or female, it doesn't mean there is no longer a woman or man. What it means is that these two no longer have a, not a biological distinction, but they no longer have a human distinction not biological not anatomy. it doesn't refer to female or male as anatomy
1: i appreciate but that reverence
2: but you it quoted the to text as human
1: beings Yes, uh, I'm Reverend.
2: Coming, I'm coming to...
1: Let's, let's move me. together. Let's move together, Reverend. You quoted the text because you were alleging that that text supports your notion that there is no longer slavery. Your text does not support slavery. And you quoted the text in a literalist sense. Now, when I give you the very same literary sense in all of the aspects of the text, you're objecting to it being quoted literally, we need to pick, pick a side there, Reverend. Are we going to be figurative or we're we going to be literal? And if we're going to be figurative and allegorical, then that text does not support your argument that your Bible does not support slavery. Throughout the Bible, there yes. is no abolition of slavery. Quite frankly, when you go throughout your text, it says slaves must be treated well. It doesn't say it's abolition, slave. there must be abolition of slaves. I'm saying if I'm saying if and I persist that
2: if the Bible says there is no longer slave or slave master. What it says, For it those says, that are united with Christ, anybody who would oppress another, because the Lord Jesus Christ has come to liberate those who are oppressed. Okay. If if the Bible says there but what about those
1: who are not right? united with Christ? They are reverend. Excuse me. What about those who are not united with Christ? Because that text is not just talking about everybody. It talks about those that are united with Christ in baptism. What about those who have not been united with Christ with baptism? Jesus
2: Christ Christ has come into the world for everyone.
3: But that text doesn't say that. That text you quoted doesn't say that. Jesus
2: Christ, for so God loved the world, that he gave
1: his only son. So it continues. It continues it for those who believe. About the world. No, no, no. It continues. Continue quoting is, the text there. Don't quote it in part there, those Reverend. Those who believe may not perish. Exactly. As what as about those who don't believe? Therein lies the question. The text says for those yes. who believe. So, if those who don't but, believe. But remember, no, no, no. But, but remember,
2: remember, Jesus Christ continues to commission people into the world
1: to believe. Reverend? there
2: is no, there is no cut-off point that. You do not believe, and therefore you are closed outside. And therefore, what happens
1: to those who do not
2: believe? Those who do not believe are persuaded and are evangelized.
1: And And if they are not persuaded? To believe. What happens if they are not persuaded? a
2: hypothetical question. Well, you are asking a hypothetical question. No, it's
1: a literal question. Right here in this forum, we have a a Muslim, we have a Hindu, and we have many other faiths out there who have not been persuaded. They've read the text, they've heard of it, and they're not interested. The Christian, the Christian document—it's meant to
2: accommodate everybody, irrespective right. of, irrespective of being male or female, irrespective of being poor, rich. Okay, I'm saying to you, irrespective of being gentile or circumcised or uncircumcised. Too, Oh, great. The, also, the Jerusalem
1: Counseling Acts would oh. speak against what you're saying there, Reverend. Again, you have not shared a text with us. I'm going to give you an opportunity to go and find a text for us that's going to support your argument so that we can be able to read that text that actually supports your argument. I want to bring in Sheikh Rafiq Hassan. He's the founder and director of uh, the IIFRI. Good evening to you, Sheikh, and thank you, very much for agreeing to talk to us. Uh,
4: good evening, I and good evening to your guests and to your listeners.
1: Sheikh, I want us to to, to, to dive right in. Um, oh, you you know the criticism. we have had many conversations back and forth you and i on this con- converse, on this platform about the criticisms against um, uh, the the muslim faith would you ca- categorically say that the uh, the quran is a human rights document would you would you say it is it is in tandem it is in line with the uh, human rights for all yes categorically yes all
4: right. Yes, uh, most most definitely, Naya. Uh You see, when, when, if you talk of human rights, then the, the, the Quran speaks first of human beings, because human rights is for human beings, okay? And so, what does Islam say about human beings in general? Now, you see, so that's I want, I'm going to give you some verses uh, that shows you that all human beings are created equal, you know, including male and female. That, uh, you know, for instance, there's a chapter 4 of the Quran, it's called Women, and verse 1 tells you, talking to mankind, so God is addressing human beings here, yeah. all oh, human beings, we created you all from a single entity, of a male and female, and, and, and you know, uh, therefore, and out of that same entity created its spouse, the female. So, in creation, the Quran is very clear that, uh, that in the creation, all human beings are created equal. So that's you know, that's the verse. Then it tells you in chapter forty nine, verse thirteen of the Quran, again addressing mankind on, on this issue. It says you that you know, oh mankind, indeed we have created you, male and female, out of the same essence. We made you into different nations and different tribes, so that you can respect one another, love in Arabic it's the letter Arifu. So you, you you sort of you, 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 you cooperate and love and respect and learn from one another. And the best in the sight of God... Now, this is the way it rounds it up, Now I'm talking about in terms of the status of all human beings, regardless of religion, caste, color, tribe. The best in the sight of God Almighty is not what religion you are, what color, or what tribe. It says the best amongst you is the one who is upright and good in the contact and best in the dealings with one another. So the Quran uh, uh, also refers to all of mankind as a family of of Adam Bani Adam we are all the family and descendants of Adam and God Almighty says uh, in chapter 17 verse 70 of the Quran that we have indeed honored and we have uh, you know raised to high esteem all the children of Adam the, the children of Adam the descendants of the we human beings in God says I have honored all all of creation of human beings so Islam is a very fundamental belief. Naya in, in Islam in the Quran, which nobody can. It's not interpretive. It's not allegorical. It's not uh, you know. Uh, it says clear cut verses. The equality of human beings, the family of the human race uh, as one family. So Islam is very strong in that, and there's no superiority of anyone among the family of humanity depending on tribe, culture, and religion. And then finally, I, I just want to give another principle in Islam, which is very important about, you know, what you were discussing earlier. Let's, let's take then the matter of faith or belief. And and Islam says, again, uh, from the family of humanity, there is no compulsion in faith. You know, uh, people can follow what they, they want to follow. There is no emphasis, there is no uh, coercion in there. For instance, in chapter 18 of the Quran, verse 29, it says, so those who want to, even talking about believing in that God, Naya, it says for those who want to believe, well, let them believe. And those who do not want to believe, it's their choice. So Islam does not discriminate on belief, on color, on religion, on race, on ethnicity. The, the criteria in Islam is in your righteousness and your your what good you do to, to fellow human beings. That is the one who's good and better in the eyes of God Almighty.
1: So, you're, you're, you're saying categorically that there are no texts in the Quran that cause people to believe that there are human rights violations or at least uh, no recognition of human rights for
0: everyone?
4: Everyone. Well, if, if, if God in the Quran is saying all human beings are equal, then uh, every human being has an equal right. Then there's, nobody has a superior right. Uh, you know, to anybody else, and we've got to treat everyone equally. Uh, you know, if, so in Islam, uh, if you kill somebody, it doesn't matter who you kill. Human life is sacred. It is as if you killed all of mankind, in chapter 5, verse 32, it says that that's how it values human rights and human life. It's, whether it's a Jew or a Christian or a Hindu or black or blue, if you kill a human being, it is as if you've killed all of mankind, all of humanity. So Islam is very strong on the equality uh, and the rights of people the civil rights of, of human beings are all equal there's no, you know everyone should have equal civil uh, you know civic rights But uh, what about is- the
1: right to life there Sheikh you know you, the famous sword verses that seem to be difficult to clarify please give, take another shot and clarify these verses because Almost all the time when we're talking about the Quran, we're talking about these sword verses that are seemingly difficult to explain.
4: Oh, which, I didn't get that. What, what, what did, which one is that
1: now? For example, Quran 2, 190. Fight in the cause of Allah, those who fight you, but do not transgress limits, for all loveth not transgressors. Allah Mm. loveth not transgressors. It would appear as though there is an encouragement to fight there, at least according to some commentators like Arvind Kumar.
4: Well, Naya, we're going on something else. Uh, Even in a democracy, there is fighting. Democratic governments go to war. To fight That's government. anti-human being, to fight an aggressor is not anti-human rights. Uh, you can't sit back and just let somebody uh, override your rights and your, and, and your life and your property. So what's wrong with that? That's not against human rights. And it's telling you to fight the transgressors. It, it's exactly what it is saying. You can't allow a transgressor, a usurper, a colonizer, an exploiter to just come and walk over and take over and turn the other cheek. Islam is not the turn the other cheek uh, religion. It says you must defend yourself. There's nothing... Uh, anti-human rights about that—it's—it's it's natural. It's followed by every democracy in the world.
0: Well, with
1: respect, I remind you that South Africa repealed the death penalty in our country because that very same idea of killing people is—is is not according to our Bill of Rights, as, at least as far as the State versus Maguanyane case in, two th- in 1996. We have since repealed that. We don't have that idea of killing in our country. So while you you, you may know, make that argument, but our country as a government, we is entitled, by the see? way, to have the capital punishment, have decided not to. This is beneath us.
4: Oh, that's a, now you're talking another topic of capital punishment. I'm referring now to, to human rights now, there. I mean, that's, in this verse about transgression, and you must fight those who are transgressing, our country sent soldiers to fight in Congo and were killed. And they killed those insurgents in Congo. So uh, is that going against our our constitution of killing human beings? Okay. Our country sent soldiers to fight on, on the behalf of AU in different parts of Africa, You're they absolutely killed correct. And our soldiers. Got killed. You're That's absolutely what the correct. Quran says. With when there are transgressors, you you go forth and get rid of those transgressors. But
1: that injunction is not to a government. Governments and states have a totally different authority and right. This injunction is not to a government. It's it's to its believers. It's it's adherents.
4: No, no, no. You got it wrong, Naya. Where does it say it's for the? It's in Islam. The 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 verses of the Quran. Maybe I should explain this to you. Uh, in Islam, the, the, there is no the, the Quran is so, it's not a book, a constitution for a country. Uh, exactly. The Quran has laws in it for a government. It has laws in it for a family. Absolutely. it has laws in it for an individual. It has laws in it for uh, economics, for commerce. The Quran it did not categorize things into different compartments. It's integrated. And so you've got to pull out those verses that are relevant for each sector of society.
1: I'll give you so, another one. I'll give you another one there, Sheikh. Um You're, you're absolutely yeah. correct, by the way, that all of these texts are not part of any constitution in in, 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 Democrat, in the democratic world, or at least those countries that have uh, participated and signed become signatories to the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. I want to go to Quran chapter 9, And and the verse there is 5. But when the forbidden months are past, then fight and slay who? The pagans, wherever you find them, and seize them, beleaguer them, and lie in wait for them in every stratagem of war. But if they repent and establish regular prayers and practice regular charity, then open the way for them, for Allah is often forgiving, most merciful.
4: Right. So, there's nothing wrong with that verse. It's not anti any. Read the verse in its country. Who are those pagans it's talking about? It's talking about those pagans who came and killed the Muslims first. It, those pagans who were killing the Muslims and killed them, even at the Kaaba, and and they ran away. So now the Muslims were told, "You go and search and find those ones who killed." You go. That's why it says, "Kill those pagans, not any pagan." You don't want to catch any disbeliever. And um, uh, it's very it's very specific. The, l- the Quran. L- l- let me and me why you again, Why does the Sheh. prohibited month Naya? Yeah. Let me just explain to you. In Islam, even the uh, the Arabs prior to Islam, there are four months. Out of the 12 months where fighting was prohibited, it's sort of, you know, they when they're holy months, you sort of, uh, you know, say, have a truce and you start to, uh, you know, pray and don't stop hostility. So even the the pagan Arabs is to observe these four months. So that's what the Quran is talking about here. They, they, what about that, Article 3? Don't three, fight um, in those months. Even what about Article 3 there?
1: Sheikh, Article 3 yeah. in the Universal Declaration of Human Rights says everyone has the right to life, pagan or not. Correct. In fact, when you Sorry. go to Article 2, it says everyone is entitled to all the rights and freedoms s- set forth in this declaration without distinction of any kind, such as race, color, sex, language, religion. Sorry. Even if you're pagan, you should not be killed. Religion, political, or other opinion. What? So why, well, would, why would your talk document undermine these liberties, these three liberties no. that are so highlighted?
4: No, Naya. I just quoted you a verse. I quoted you a verse to say, if you do not want to believe, it's fine. You don't believe. There is another verse which is very specific about that, you know, and, and in the Quran, it tells you, it's talking to the pagans and says, if you do not want to believe in my thing, nor do I do want to believe in yours, to you be your way and to be me mine. It doesn't say you must kill him because you don't believe in This is chapter 109, verse 6. To you be your way and religion and to be me mine. That's why this I was is saying... Islam, that's that's I'll why i are saying you to kill anybody because of their faith but or that's their paganism.
1: Chapter nine this five verses, says that.
4: Let me, let me finish this point now. These verses that have been quoted are in a context when pagans came and killed Muslim, innocent Muslim women and children, and ran away. And the Quran says, "Go and find those that killed you." And this is nothing against human rights or international law. If somebody came, that is why you find George Bush, who claims to be the leader, who came to America to be the leaders of democracy, they went and said, we are going to do preemptive strikes at people they think are going to attack us. Who didn't even attack us, but we they think they're going to attack us. That is their concept of preemptive strike. That's why he invaded Iraq when there was no weapons of mass destruction because they believe in the policy of uh, you know preemptive strikes. But in Islam, we don't believe that. We say oh, these verses are referring to specific incidents. Naya, it's not general statements, and it's contradicting verse one on one six. It's contradicting you know there shall be no compulsion in religion. There are so many verses which says you cannot kill anybody because of their faith. This is. People who attacked. You know that the early Muslims were killed by these pagans. It is talking about that situation, Naya. All right,
1: all right. We're going to take a break and come back. When we come back, we're going to read some texts and we'll take your calls. If you'd like joining the conversation, this is your chance. 0891-104-207, 0891-104-207 On Facebook, on Twitter, on WhatsApp. We're taking your opinions shortly after this.
0: Naya Lupondwana on SAFM.
1: All right, we're going to go to Facebook first. Those of you who are on Facebook, you can find uh, some of these comments there. Not on my personal Facebook, on SFM at SFM Radio, SFM Radio on Facebook. And on Twitter, it's SFM at SFM Radio. And the hashtag is S F M Faith. First with Facebook, Andres Gift, Andreiki writes, Holy book is a racist book and doesn't support the human rights. That's why Desmond Dutu suggested the Bible needs to be rewritten by a donkey okay thank you very much andris uh tembale to oh by the way uh, okay let's leave it right there tembale to tero mboyana writes bible at least supports human rights check out ten commandments and therefore the entire human race comes from god actually the ten commandments says you remember the sabbath day to keep it holy and then it says you and your slave it doesn't say hey why do you have slaves That's your Holy Bible right there, Tembale to Terumbojana. Tabonyana Silabel writes, I have realized that mine is patriarchal in nature. Heroes are mostly male. Young girls and women are referred to without mentioning their names. Women and children's rights are actually not presented. Uh, I'm not quite sure which one is yours. Um, When you say mine, Tabonyana, which one is that? Uh, because the Bible does make mention of Ruth, Deborah, and many like women. So perhaps you're talking about another one, which I I dare not imagine. Alan Plum writes, Believe in me, worship me, do as I say, or I will kill you, your family, and anyone you have ever come in contact with. Oh yes, a book big on human rights. Which book are you referring to? Mr. Plump or Miss Plump. I don't know whether it's Mr. or Miss. Then on Twitter, we do have Ulebile Show at Duba 2. No, they don't support modern or latest human rights. Why? Holy books are static while human cultures evolve. Example, the book might say your slaves must rest on the Sabbath day. But today's human rights do not support slavery, no matter how long the rest you give them. Absolutely correct there, Ulebile. Absolutely, that's what the text says. Azania Sol at Solo Cafiso writes, listen to your quests. It's safe to conclude that the Constitution is current and is therefore supreme law. The Bible itself tells us very little about this Messiah. We know more about Moses than the Messiah. Well, lasagna, if you were to read the Bible, you'd discover much, much more about your Messiah if you were to read your Bible thank you very much Um, uh, do we have any WhatsApp uh, voice notes there Joey or anything else oh Pule there's Pule there also Atheistic Pule writes when we reflect on the historical development of human rights we see immediately that for most of human history, religious leaders resisted what we today describe as fundamental human rights. That's absolute. Not true, sir. <laughs> that is absolutely not true. Actually, the founders of these uh, Universal Declaration of Human Rights and the perpetuators were actually people of Christian persuasion. So that's historically incorrect. Not true, sir. All right, uh, let's go to what am I reading? Messages? All right, let's go to WhatsApp. Uh, we do have one reading. I read the Holy Bible and I have found on numerous occasions, both in the Old Testament and New Testament, that there is an embracing of embracing of lack of respect of human rights. Not quite sure what you mean by that, sir uh, or madam. On more... Uh, On more than one occasion, I have also made reference to the book of Timothy and how it is completely degrading women. That in itself is complete contradiction of our constitutional values. And honestly, that's just the tip of the iceberg. Where in the book of Timothy? When you just say the book of Timothy, you're just slandering the Bible without quoting the actual text, which nullifies the basic tenets of your points, sir or madam. Please tell us where so that we can read what you're talking about, so that we can know what you're talking about. I find myself with more questions than answers. Those questions revolve around who compiled these scriptures because it looks like they have been carefully chosen to favor others over some. The power dynamics are very clear. Uh, could you scroll, scroll down for me, please? Uh, okay. Oh, Gareth Yonkers. Gareth, um, I'm, I'm going to stop reading your text right there because it's full of slander there. You're not telling us where in the book of Timothy you're just... Bad-mouthing the book of Timothy there without verifying or backing up your claim. So uh, let me respectfully move on to another text. Hi Naya, after it's Naya, N-A-Y-E, but hey, who's checking for spelling? Firstly, if we look at our own constitution, nowhere does it distinguish between genders or right to peace and freedom and dignity, freedom and security of the person. Everyone has a right to freedom and security of the person, which includes, and then you go ahead and, my goodness, quote those. Secondly, I accept that the Swami says about equality and other rights, but the Modi regime in India does the opposite with certain monot- uh, uh, monorit- mono. okay, in India. And the Kashmir, that's that's my fault there, forgive me there, uh, Frank Hay. For example, the CAA Act and uh, to date caste system still prevails, especially uh, hurtful to the Dalits, the Rohingyas and other communities. Frank Hay in Peter Meritsburg. All right, um, Frank, please quote us what the Act says and what you're suggesting perhaps is derogatory. All right, let's play. You want to play the, the voice notes there? Go ahead, play the voice notes.
5: Hi, this is Sharon from Durban. Yes, Sharon. I'd like just to say that, you know what, uh, the Bible, the Quran, the Bhagavad Gita, and all, <coughs> sorry, all religious books are equal as people change them. If you read each and every script scripture, you will see that we are a rainbow nation. We are equal. There's no discrimination between different religions. It's people and people's minds that set this. So please read other religions, attend other religions, seminars, and then you would, it'll be, it's actually a widespread, widespread. Listen to the words and then you realize there is only one God, but in different forms. Thank you. Okay. uh... Hi. Uh,
1: let's, let's play the next one. Go ahead. Uh, <clears throat> good
2: evening. Okay. My name is Leon. In Leon. Houtby, and I'm, I'm, I'm in Houtbay in Cape Town. Hmm. I believe that we are moving off the track here. First of all, the Bible, the Quran, or any holy scripture has nothing to do with human rights. No has it to do with black, white, slave or or anybody or any person. It has to do with spiritual guidelines, how to love your life. By by connecting human rights with the Bible, we are way off the track.
0: Uh, One of the things that is interesting about the Bible is the fact that uh, the Holy Bible, the Christian Bible, is uh, both descriptive and prescriptive. There are passages of scripture in the Bible that are descriptive. In a sense, they are describing the order of events. And because they are descriptive, it does not necessarily mean that I have to apply those things in my life. But in a context of where it is prescriptive, it is something that has been prescribed to me to follow and apply. Um, So it's important for us that when we are dissecting or dividing the Bible, the Word of God, we divide it in the right context with the right interpretation. Because at the end of the day, we'll go around a circle without coming to a conclusion of what the Bible literally deals with. And bear this in mind as well that the Bible, when you read it, it's dealing with three groups of people it's dealing with the Christians, it's dealing with the Jewish people, it's also de- uh, dealing with non believers, non Christians. So you need to know where each scripture applies uh, in, in whatever context you are dealing with. Thank you. All right, we're going to leave it right there. Remember the purpose of this conversation.
1: The purpose of this conversation is to um, spark that uh, in your mind. Those questions go and read for yourself. We're not supposed to be prescriptive in this show. <laughs> We're merely giving you the opportunity. You get the 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 the, the, the very apologetics of the subject and then you go and research it for yourself it's just one hour that's how we're going to conclude our conversation from me and Pondo, and the team have a wonderful evening and thank you very much to all of my guests Sheikh Rafiq Hassan Reverend Mo Chipataki and also Swami Vedanant Saraswati from me have a wonderful evening and Godspeed